purpose is transforming the world of work and business. Those leading the way are values-based and people-focused leaders who see business as a force for good. Host Kevin Monroe explores how tapping into the power of purpose infuses your business with meaning and touches the lives of your employees while positively impacting the communities you serve. With the Higher Purpose Podcast, here's Kevin Monroe. I'm your host, Kevin Monroe, and once again, it's my pleasure to welcome you to the Higher Purpose Podcast. In this episode, number 87, this podcast attracts people like you, people who believe business is a force for good and purpose is a force for animating and energizing business. I'm delighted you are here with me today. Wherever you're joining from, let's make this a good time together. This conversation explores two big ideas and connects dots between what it means to live, love, lead, and work in a humans first or people first fashion and how doing so serves the employee experience and results in what today's guest calls employee loyalty. Joining us today is Heather Younger. Heather hails from Denver, Colorado, and is the author of The Seven Intuitive Laws of Employee Loyalty, and she also hosts the Leadership with Heart podcast. Without any additional delay, let's jump into this conversation with Heather. Welcome, Heather Younger. What a delight to have you join us on the Higher Purpose podcast and this Humans First Focus conversation. Very exciting. I'm loving the energy behind the movement, and I'm just really happy to be a part of it and be one of the presenting members, as you will be here soon, right? Yeah. So it's exciting to be a part of it. Absolutely. Well, there's so much that we're going to dive into in just a moment. But Heather, I always start with the same place with people. What is something in this moment that you're grateful for? I'm grateful for adversity, actually. Oh, you know, okay. No one's ever answered that. I love this. Say more. I am. I'm grateful adversity. I think about my journey. uh, And even just most recently, I was in a car accident with three of my boys in the car and none of us were really hurt. And so we made it out alive. Right. And then it made me slow down. So I'm thankful for how that obstacle created some space for me to do some really good work and complete some projects. And then uh, we had a big storm here in Colorado. And I was like, darn it, you know, I had some stuff to do. But again, I felt like there was, you know, it was good to have me have that time to just be, have focused attention on some things I needed to pay attention to, partly, you know, family, partly business. So I just think adversity and obstacles, I'm very thankful for that right now. Hmm. Wow. What a great way to start this conversation. And yeah, many of us do not want to be grateful. We'd rather complain about <laughs> adversity and obstacles. But, you know, the Stoics believe the obstacle is the way. It's going mm-hmm. through, not being delivered from our troubles or snatched out of, but going through them, going through the process. So I love yes. that. Yes. Yes. Well, you know, I like to think about these conversations kind of like in a coffee shop. And I have a coffee shop I go to and have some conversations. So if we were in your town, where would we be having this conversation? You, me, and the listener, where are we tucked away for this conversation? You know, I think it'd be great to have this conversation in Estes Park. Ooh, 
near the Rocky Mountains. And can we go do that right now? Uh, yeah, I know. It's gorgeous. It's really gorgeous. You see elk there and oh, it's just beautiful. So there are cafes and stuff yeah. right there. And I think that would be nice. And if it was on a nice day and it wasn't snowing, you know, we could just be outside. We wouldn't have to go to grab coffee and go sit outside and be right by those mountains and see the elk walk by. That would be where I'd want to go. Wow. Wow. Oh, I love that. <laughs> I'm just closing my eyes a moment and I'm visual. <laughs> awesome. And I'm curious, what's your favorite way? I know you get introduced by other people a lot. And sometimes, you know, people really butcher the way we've asked them to introduce us. So what's your favorite way to introduce you in the work you do? Oh, that's interesting. I think the biggest way is that Heather is an employee advocate. Hmm. And that's probably how I'd like to look at that is I'm an employee advocate first and everything else that people want to say about me second. Because you can call me, you know, a leadership speaker, I employee engagement expert, a positive mindset, you know, mentor, whatever, right? But in the end, what is my main, when you talk about purpose, my main purpose is advocating for the voice of the employee. Okay. Where does that come from for you? You know, it starts way back when I was a child. I am a product of interracial and interfaith marriage. And my mother and father, when they got married, it was barely legal for them to do so. And my mom's parents were not happy when they got married. In fact, they didn't really talk to my father for many, many years. I don't even know if they ever talked to him Mm -hmm. much. So I, as an only child inside that relationship, could not go to weddings, could not go to bar mitzvahs, was never seen on their walls. I didn't have, there weren't any pictures of me in their homes. And so I felt like I was all alone. I felt like I had no voice. I felt disrespected. I felt unimportant. And so that deep kind of thing that happened to me early, really, I think you might want to think of it as an early trauma, is the thing that motivates me now to be better, to remove obstacles, to look at obstacles, like I said earlier, as a positive way forward, but to also help other people get there, to have a voice, to communicate a compelling case for what it is they want in their own cultures. So that's where I'm at now. It's kind of, there's a whole journey that goes along with that, but that's the starting point for me. Wow. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I love that. There's so many of us, and I believe this is a possibility for every one of us, you listening, that the adversity that we go through, the pain, the suffering becomes our greatest opportunity to help others because we establish moral authority that we wouldn't have had otherwise. When we're talking about, hey, I know what it's like. A lot of people say, I know what it's like, and they have no idea what it's like. It's true. And actually, you know, before the call, we talked a little bit about faith. And and even though there could be people in here that aren't a particular faith, that's all right. There's this idea of redemptive suffering. And I really never thought about that many, many, many years. I just really hadn't. And it's been more recent where I've thought about how much has the, like you just talked about, the pain, the suffering, the obstacles, the barriers, the the things that may have turned other people away from the journey I've taken, stop them in their tracks and propelled me to go forward. Yeah, I think about that. And I say, so I think in the work that we do in this human first space is that way, because there are a lot of walls that are just put up by leaders who aren't open, by organizations who aren't ready, by employees who are afraid, right? There's just so many different things yeah. there. And how much do we pursue? How much do we persist? Mm. Mm. Wow. Okay. We're going to come back to that. I made a note. I'm going to try to remember to come back to that before (laughs) we end, but I want to go deeper. As you know, I've been hosting a series of conversations on what it means and takes to live, love, lead, work in a human's first kind of way. And this is the 10th 
conversation in that series. And I know this is going to be fascinating because of you. Tell us the name of your book that you've written. I know you're working on another one now, but the first book you wrote is? The Seven Intuitive Laws of Employee Loyalty. Okay, so you've written about employee loyalty. You see yourself primarily as an employee advocate. What's the connection between humans first and the work you do as an employee advocate and around employee loyalty? Where do you see that? I've started thinking about this. If I think if all of us in these human first circles, we have our own Venn diagrams. There are these three or four circles we work in. Mm-hmm. And I start seeing that right in the middle of that is this thing we call humans first. So yeah. for you, employee loyalty, employee advocate, what else? Leadership. Leadership. Leadership is probably the third circle. So I believe that everything starts and stops with leadership, whether it's personal leadership Absolutely. or leadership with people that have authority, that have a title. So the connection, how I see my role is intermediary between the two. How do I help leaders understand what they need to do to have loyalty from their employees? How do I advocate in a holistic and true and wholesome way for the employee and their voice back to the people who have the power and authority to change the experience for them? So it's that three-pronged idea. Okay. You're absolutely right. There was more to it. So help us understand how you define employee loyalty in today's business world, right? Employee loyalty Mm -hmm. 20 years ago meant... You went to work for a company your first day out of college, and you were loyal to them, and they were loyal to you. You retired with the gold watch. That was the symbol of employee loyalty. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So loyalty, from my perspective, is more about the bond between leader and, and those being led than it is about necessarily being bonded to an organization. So Organization is there. So organization is a structure. It's a corporate entity. Okay. Inside of those walls are people, which is where the human first connection comes in. And so I'm trying to say in the work that I do, how do we bond people to people? How do you leader create experiences and environments that bond the people that are in your environment to you for a longer term? Now, you're right. It could be because I do think it still exists that we can have people inside organizations for 20, 25 years. But what's going to happen and what does happen is their roles change quite a bit over those years. So it's as if they're starting new jobs inside of the organization and they can keep them if their focus is on doing that. I think the issue is sometimes their focus is not on doing that. So then the people just leave because it's like, well, why am I here? Hmm. But in the end, I'm very realistic that it's about how do we keep them longer? So if their intent is, I'm just going to, this is a stopover for me. I'm here for like a year and I'm on my next direction. How can we keep them longer? So there's this really cool book called The Alliance by Reed Hoffman. He's the, one of the founders of LinkedIn. And I highly recommend it. And it talks really about how do we really extend people's tour of duty? And so if, it's, if they're there for a year and a half, can we get in there for two years, two and a half years? And while they're there, what can they achieve for us and what can we help them achieve? How can we get them closer to where, what their goals are? So I'm not unrealistic or naive to think that we're going to be getting people loyal and staying, everybody staying for 20 years. Although I also do believe, I believe that I'm an optimist. So I do, people can stay longer, but you got to be giving them all these challenges along the way. You have to be stretching and growing them along the way. I do think it's possible. I would have stayed at the organizations that I only stayed at for four, four and a half years, 20 years, if they would have given me different tours inside of the organization that just continue to pull upon my strengths. Mm-hmm. 
Mm. Right. So that's where I'm at with loyalty. Okay. So I love this and I live in Atlanta and in Atlanta headquarters of Chick-fil-A. I've had conversations with them, meetings with them, and they still believe in lifetime employment, lifelong employment. It's not a guarantee, but you know, it's a possibility and they create that structure. So I know there are other organizations like them that still have this framework. The one thing that came out in a conversation with them that I just want to interject here is for that to happen, employee selection, upfront selection is critical. Yes. Making sure that you're right for us, we're right for you, investing more in that because they're looking at this. They're not looking, how many bodies can we slam against the wall and try to get the most out of them for however long they're here? They're looking at it differently. We're looking at this longer term. They're going in with a loyalty mindset, I guess. Yes. And that's exactly in my book, like in the very beginning, you see, I talk about, you got to get the right people first. You got to get the right people, the right seats first before we even have this conversation. So I almost make an assumption in the work that I do, in the talk that I do, I almost make an assumption that that work has been done, right? Now they're here. What are we doing for them? How do we continue to endear them to the organization, endear them to the leaders inside? But you're right. That is the first step. It's got to happen. Okay. So I want to go back. You just said something there. This is so fun. This is so fun. And if you don't know, Heather hosts a podcast. The name of that podcast is, let's go ahead and plug it because I want anybody listening here, they should be listening. I don't want you to stop listening to the Higher Purpose podcast. In addition, listen to- (laughs) This is mine. It's called Leadership with Heart. Leadership with Heart. Okay. So I love talking to another podcast host and I love getting the host in the different seat, right? It's different (laughs) when you're being the guest. But in this, what you were just talking about, that first point where you start, is that because there's some self-selection of the companies you serve, they're companies that are on this journey already. They're wanting to be that kind of company, right? So- Yes. If you were to start the conversation just cold, fresh with anybody, you might have to back up. That's exactly right. Yeah. But because you are attracting the kind of client that wants loyalty. Am I right? Yes. Do you agree? That's exactly right. Yeah. And I'm going to be honest. I won't even take money from a company that's not interested in that. If you're not interested in doing the work, I'm not interested in taking your money. I'm going to be honest. So I want to work with you because I know that you're interested in, in moving forward and propelling your culture forward. So that's exactly. It. Yeah. So there is some kind of whether they use the word humans first or not. And and humans first is just a label that we have found that rallied us. Our friend Mike Vacanti started the Humans First Club. And as you said, you and I've had the opportunity, I'm having it next week, to be a presenting member. You've been a couple of those. Humans first is a label, but companies, they may not use that label, but their thinking is humans first thinking is why they're wanting to engage with you. Yes. And sometimes they don't know exactly what it is. Like they just get a sense that they need to be doing something and they see that, like you said, the message I might talk about resonates with them. That Okay. This is what we want to be doing, you know? Okay. So you used the word there. I'm going to ask to talk about a couple of things. One, we didn't go into this. We don't need to go deep into this unless you want to. I know that you are, I guess the phrase I use, a recovering attorney. <laughs> And I think I know more former attorneys than former anything else in my life, Heather. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So as a recovering attorney, do you agree that language, more specifically, word choice matters? Absolutely. 
like when you're starting into contracts, right? You start, well, what is this word and why this word versus something else? But what does this word mean and what's the connotation loaded in this word? So, you know, you take words out of contracts because it's too broad or whatever. Yes. All right. So understanding that words matter, let's talk about words that some people, and I'm going to raise my hand and say, I've been guilty of this. We use interchangeably. Some people talk about employee engagement and employee loyalty or employee experience. Dissect those or how are those similar? How are those different? You know, well, loyalty, I think the idea of having someone, I look at loyalty, it's an individual thing. So a person, whether it's a customer or an employee, feel bonded in some particular way to the organization that they're either buying from or working for. They are loyal usually because they feel that there's loyalty on the other end. So there's a reciprocity effect inside the loyalty. Like I agree that I'm going to give my all to you. You agree that you're going to give your all to me and give me what I need to excel. And because of that, I'm sticking with you. Okay. So that's kind of what ends up happening to the customer and employee side. Experience is more of a journey. So it's even more holistic. It's like you look at you kind of what you talked about earlier, this idea of recruitment. When you're an employee, you're gauging the customer and you're having an experience or you're gauging the company and you're having an experience before you even start there. So you see them on the news, you see on their website, you see their press release, you see something about the company that makes you feel something. Mm -hmm. And along that journey, you keep having these feelings about that company. So it could be now, okay, now you go, you start the company and now you in the first 90 days of your training and you're feeling something there. You're feeling like, okay, this is a company I'm with. Yeah. Okay. And then you get past that 90 days and your manager starts being a jerk and you're like, damn, I'm not sure I should have been here. What happens, there's all these steps. I call them touch points along the way in the journey. And it goes all the way through until, by the way, even after you're laid off, you quit, you are fired. There's a journey even after the point. And all of that experience and every single touch point is what then kind of creates your perception of that company and any actions you may take after you leave the company. So Mm -hmm. you may refer people to the company or not, depending upon what that experience was for you, what your journey looked like. Engagement, it's so funny. I have a friend of mine who has a book coming out and I love his angle, so I'm not going to give it away. But (laughs) employee engagement is more about what's happening with the employee. And so in aggregate, what I'm doing in my work is I'm looking at, are the employees in aggregate engaged, not just one person, but in the end, there might be groups of employees. And what is it? So the engagement side is how much they feel like when they're going to work, they feel like their work is meaningful. And do they feel totally vested, invested in the company and in the company's mission? And are they willing to go over and above for that mission and for that vision for what's happening inside of there? Hmm. So that's how I kind of decipher those three things. Okay. So another word And I was going to ask you this in one way. I still am. But because of something you just said, I want to take it deeper. You've used this word in our conversation already between you and the client. I've used it a lot lately. It's one of my favorite words, actually. Resonance. Mm -hmm. Resonance. So how do you, what does resonance mean to you? And what do you look for? How do you know a client is resonating with you and you are resonating with a client? I think there's a, when we talk reciprocity, there's kind of a tennis match that goes back and forth. And you know, when they're playing that game with you, they're communicating and they're getting what you're saying on the other end and they're responding to you and they are continuing to move forward with you and they're understanding your intent 
that's what I think resonance looks like. Okay. Like we're looking at a client relationship with me. Okay. Now, what does resonance look like in employee loyalty? Well, I mean, I think if it's resonating, you're happily staying. Yeah. So you're loyal to that extent. It's not like you're there because you got to be there. The disengagement idea, this idea of just you're there because I got to get a check. Loyalty assumes that it's resonating with you in a big way. Yeah. And so something, whether it's your manager, you love your team, you love all the above the mission, the vision, the, the social responsibility, whatever it is, it's inside that organization that's resonating with you. That's the thing that's keeping you bonded with that organization, that leader, that team, because we may not be bonded with the organization. We may be bonded with the person as we're managing us. We may be bonded with our, our coworkers. And that's the thing that's keeping us sticking with that organization. Yeah. It may not be all things to all people. Yeah. And so what you described earlier, you're talking about in that employee journey, the new hire, you know, there's a lot of resonance up front. You're giving me an offer and boy, it sounds good. And there are moments, and you even write about this in your book with a friend. This is, what do people say? Too good to be true. Mm -hmm. And many people, a few weeks later, find out, yes, it was (laughs) too good to be true. (laughs) And then there is an interruption in that resonance, right? The You know, it's Mm -hmm. a, yes, 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 yes. You're showing up every week and every week on Monday, you're like pinching myself. Is it really? This is where I get to work? And then on Friday, you're like, really? Another week? And it's still so good that it is true. Mm-hmm. Yes. That. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that. I think that goes back to experience and it takes a huge amount of thoughtfulness by the organizational leaders to say, how do we ensure that the journey is as smooth as possible so that the resonance is at every stage of that journey, even if it's not as equally high a level in one area over another, it's still high enough that doesn't make them go, eh, we're on shaky ground. I am not sure I'm staying around for this. Yeah. So the level of curation, and I do call it curation purposes, I do think that the leaders have to curate the experience. They have to look at the journey points. They have to find out where their gaps are, and then they have to work to fill those gaps and make them as smooth as possible. So it is a curation. It's very thoughtful. It is planned out and it takes its process, right? And that's the other thing. I just had a call the other day with someone and so much of making people feel a certain way, because when we look at experience and we look at loyalty, it's driven by emotions. And so the more that organizations can curate touch points that create emotions along the way that make those people feel the way they're intending them to feel, then they're going to be with them longer. They're going to do more for the organization. So that feeling, though, is created in the background by processes, by systems. So in the front end, the people feel a certain way, but in the back end, it is not accidental. That's what I was about to say. This didn't just happen. It didn't. When you have either excellent customer experience or excellent employee experience, There is design. There is intention. And folks have thought through that. And I don't know if I've ever thought of the word resonance in that process as much as I am in this conversation. But the Mm -hmm. goal is to just maintain resonance Mm -hmm. so that the harmony just flows and nothing seems discordant. And as long as it's flowing, my energy's growing. My enthusiasm's growing. I'm posting on social media how much I love my company. But then all of a sudden, there's this something that's discordant. I'm like, what? What just happened? Yeah. 
it messes up the truth that I have in my mind about that organization and about the people and about my leaders and about my team. Mm. It messes with my truth. Yeah. And so you want those moments of truth to be positive, to be consistent. And it takes work. Everybody has to be on board. The message has to be clear and unified because it doesn't take one person to create that. This is a whole like team and organizational focus. So it's so interesting because when I do my talks, I find myself even, I had this speaker coach said, you know, I, you're at the 20,000 foot level. we got to bring you down to like the 10 foot level. And I'm like, the reason why I get that way is because I do have a pretty big vision. I mean, it's, the picture is big. And I know in order to really impact, we have to be thinking more broadly, how do we kind of connect this web and how do we curate it in a way that's extremely thoughtful and designed, right? It's via design. And then once we do that, we're able to break down, okay, what are the actual tactics behind that, right? Because even the conversation we're having right now is very philosophical. Yes, it it's is. very high level, right? And so people want, they can change their mind through the conversation, but how can they change their action? So one question I have about that, one reason I'm just wondering, and I don't know what the context was of the conversation with your coach or the speech, but when you're speaking to a group that has multiple audience members, multiple companies in the audience, multiple organizations, I believe we keep it higher level because we want to give them a vision and we want to inspire them without saying, here are the three steps you need to take because it's not prescriptive to every organization. There's not just, as Cecile Peer and I talked about a couple of weeks ago in the podcast, there's not a pill for a company to take and it solved their employee experience or their employee loyalty. Yeah. So if you're working with one company, you get down to the 10-foot level or to the ground mm-hmm. level. You do. You start saying, well, here are the principles and practices. How do you apply them in this division of the company, yes. this office of the company? But if I'm talking to a whole bunch of folks, I want them all to be able to have a vision and then be wondering, how do we do this in our organization? Is that exactly? I agree with you. Yes. Yeah, I do agree with you. But yeah, in the end, it's interesting. It's just kind of with our messaging, you know, it's just how we say, because again, some people will, we talk like this and they're, you know, it might be a little bit above, a little bit over and they're like, okay, but in my role as frontline manager, what does that mean? Like that kind of thing, right? So that's kind of the key is like, bring it to me and tell me, give me some, give me some actionable things to do. Okay. So let's do this. I would love to look at Heather Younger's seven intuitive laws of employee loyalty through a lens of humans first. Awesome. What does, could we walk through the seven intuitive laws and talk about what does that mean in a humans first context? Yeah. So I'll go through them quickly because I know we we can go deep into this, but the first one is giving them great supportive managers. I would have to say in my next book is kind of spinning off of this one, which is the leadership of heart. It's all about lead. It's the leaders, it's the managers, it's the people that are day-to-day with the employees. So that's the first law. And it really, the humans first one, I think comes more alive in that law because it's about relationship. It's about connection. It's about transparency and vulnerability. So a supportive manager cannot be disconnected from their people. Is that what you're saying? Exactly. And when we look at humans first, we're talking about meeting people where they are, leaders being imperfect and employees being imperfect. We all have to understand where we're coming from. And so through that connection and that understanding and the vulnerability that's where the true humanity comes from. Okay. okay so that's the first law. After that, we look at recognizing our employees. And 
I kind of go back and forth and toggle back and forth between what the individual leaders need to do, of course, but then organizationally, what is the focus at the 10,000 foot level? What's the organization need to be doing? So recognizing employees, this is just that innate need for us to feel appreciated, for us to feel valued as people. I went back and going back to my story as a child to feel like my voice mattered, to feel I was important, to feel like what I was doing was, you know, just meant something, right? And when you recognize people, you tell them what you just did meant something to me or to us. So again, when we look at humans first, that's an innate thing in us as humans. And doing that closer to the time that it happened rather than, oh yeah, let me see if I remember to bring that up in the annual recognition meeting. Yes. 11 months from now, right? Yeah. And it may be that too. When I talk about recognition, I talk about crowdsourcing recognition. So it's multiple levels of recognition, everybody doing it so that we're always getting filled up and getting those dopamine boosts that we need by receiving it, right? But the human side, uh, being clear about humanity for me is that there's this really positive side of humanity. Then there's the dark side that we all have in us. There's this brokenness that's inside of all of us. And so we have to bring all of that. We do bring all of that to work, to home, everywhere we go. And it's understanding all those dimensions when we are talking about these different laws too. Okay. Law three. So then we're going to be looking at making sure that you hear them. You know, there's another innate thing again in us as humans is that we want to make sure that our voices are heard. Like when you say someone's name, it's one of the most important things you can do. You say their name. It's like, I'm here. But also the next thing you can do is that you can sit intently and listen to them. And then repeat back what you heard because now they know that you are actually listening and then act upon what it is you heard. So if they're saying, I need something to happen, go do something about what that is instead of just listening and then doing nothing. And organizations fall short in that regard. So that human idea with organizations is don't just listen, act, and you will then fulfill this desire inside of people to be heard and to see other humans respond to what they heard. And it's worse to ask if you don't act. Exactly. Ask for your input and then just kind of ignore it and act like you never heard the input. That's worse than not asking for the input to begin with. Exactly. So this is where I get or I kind of see, you know, yes, you should. And I want to ask you in a few minutes, but we'll get through the seven laws first about a tool that you're familiar with. Our friends over at Tiny Company. I mean, Tiny Pulse. Tiny Pulse. Yes. Yeah. But so Tiny Pulse is a solution if you're going to follow through and act. Tiny yes. Pulse is not a solution. Oh, you can just buy this and this is going to solve your problem. Absolutely. Those don't solve your problems. You got to care first, right? You got to care first. Yeah. Okay. So law number four is growing and promoting their talents. This idea is inside of me exists this like a pod of strengths, a mm. pod of gifts, And you as an organization and you as my manager and as a leader need to pull out those strengths and leverage my gifts, make sure that I'm living to, as you would say, my higher purpose. And when you do that, you've got me, you've got me there, right? That's where you've got me. And in most organizations, we fall short in that regard because we were so focused on tactics and we're not focused on the people and who are moving the bus forward. So that pod of gifts needs to be leveraged, needs to be taken. That's resonating with me, sister. (laughs) (laughs) Amen. Amen. And then we go to making team the focus. I'm going to combine team the focus and this idea of kind of connection. So team through teams is where people can exhibit their humanity. So they can have the innovation, but they can brainstorm, collaborate. They can discover each other's strengths, weaknesses, fill in gaps. 
So it's inside the team that a lot of great things happen. If you look at innovations over time in our history, just teams created some amazing things, particularly in the tech space too. And then this idea of connection also goes with like coworkers and uh, connecting with our coworkers and doing great things in teams. But it also means connection with the mission vision, with the executive leadership team, with our manager, with the community. So how does the organization find ways to curate an experience that creates all of these connections, like lowering the walls between employees so they can actually discover each other instead of being barred off from one another, right? How do we get them around the table with leaders more frequently so they have the connection? Those are those things. And then the last law, number seven, it's number seven for a reason, is paying them equitably. It is important, but it's not the only thing and it's not the most important thing. Mm. But people do need to be paid well for the work they do because they need to feel like it's fair and that it's equitable and that they can actually feed their families. So there's no more greater humanity than that than be able to take care of your family. Well, I actually love that that's seventh in the list because I think that places some focus on this. If you're doing these first six right, the seventh doesn't solve the other six. And I guess if you were to put it as number one, some people go, oh, it's all about pay. And you go, mm-hmm. no, 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 no. It's these other six, and the seven is the icing on the cake. It is. You just can't give people icing. They got to have some cake, too. Thank you. Thank you. I'll tell my kids that, too. They might take a jar of icing. But... <laughs> I've never eat a container of icing before myself. <laughs> so, Heather, there's something I love. So, thanks for going through these seven laws, the intuitive laws. And why do you call them intuitive? I love that. But well, I think that all the work that we do, I feel like all the work that we do in Humans First is 100% intuitive. It's yeah. whether you want to, so do you care first, and it's whether you're going to do it consistently. Right. So people will say, wow, I love the reminders you gave me. Yeah, I didn't teach you anything new. Yeah. I'm just reminding you in a different way that's making it sparking something inside of you. Yeah. Right? Same thing I say in my work. If I can help you, you and your team, consciously and consistently do that which you do when you're at your best, your team will flourish. You know, we can look at when we're at our best, we're doing this. Well, why is that just once a year? Or why is that once a month? Or why is that once a week? What if we kind of deconstructed that and say, okay, how can we do this more consistently, more consciously? So I love this. And and yes, I, I was on a call with a friend yesterday and we were talking, you know, everything we do is common sense. Mm-hmm. And Absolutely. then they said it before I'd said it, you know, common sense isn't always common practice. Yes, absolutely. So these are intuitive laws. This is not rocket science. And no. I love it because that means anybody, anybody can flourish in this. Yes. Anybody can access it. So what does it require? We talked about intention, right? It yeah. starts with intention. What else is in that? You know, if you kind of look like what are the core ingredients to a company that will flourish with employee loyalty? The first thing is they have to care. The executive team and all their leaders have to care. They have to care, care about people, the people in general, and care about the people that are there. That's just foundational. They don't look at them as humans. They don't look at them as people to be cared for. I don't even want to work with them because it's just, right. it's just if they, not. If they say, Heather, we'd like you to come in and help us because our employees are our most important assets. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, most people don't like the word asset, right. but in the end, I get their intent because right. words are important, but sometimes you have to help people have the right words. I love that because I heard a, a lady say this last year, you know, people don't always use the right words. So hear what they mean. 
Don't yes. get stuck up on their words. But yes. if they really think their employees are assets, there's no resonance between you and them, I guess. Yeah, exactly. 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 If they yeah. really think that. Exactly. Yeah. So there's something else I want to come back to. Two things I want to make sure we come back to. One of these, I hear something that just, to me, is a theme through all of this that I just love, that the onus on this, the onus for employee loyalty begins with the leaders. From my perspective, absolutely, yes. From your yeah, perspective. That would always be my angle. It starts with the leaders, yes. Now, do I believe that employees, and that's why I talk about in the book, there's that contract there. Do I believe that employees have a responsibility? I absolutely do. I absolutely do. I do think they have a responsibility. They have to fulfill their part of the deal. They have to also keep a positive mindset and not be ones who are complaining, right? They have to do different right. things. But now, I'm not looking to let them off the hook. I'm just saying from your view, hey, yes. leader, if you're complaining about employee loyalty, the first place to look is the mirror. Absolutely. If as a leader, you're complaining yeah. about loyalty, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes. Uh, if you're looking at and they might not even say the word loyalty, right? Because right. I use that word, but if they name it, may not be saying that at all. Right. And they could just be saying, oh, I'm losing a lot of people. Or why are these people not like doing these projects on time? Why are they not performing? You're right. Look in the mirror. What is it that you're doing or failing to do? There's a grain of truth in all of these different levels of feedback we get. And what are we doing with that as a leaders? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I picked up my phone to look for something I wrote myself. I was listening to a Barry Waymiller podcast on my walk this morning. And there was this question. So they were talking about a call center and across the board, call centers have 150% of attrition. You know, most call centers are losing one and a half employees every year for one employee. But this was one question one company did. Back to your point, there's a care here. There is a question here that can be bit of a magic question if you really care when you ask, you mean it when you ask, and you take action on what you hear. And the Mm -hmm. question was from leaders, is there anything I can do to improve your experience of working here today? Yeah, absolutely. Yep. That's a great question to ask in your one-on-ones, which you should be having weekly or every other week at a minimum with your people that your direct report. So yeah, I definitely think that's a great question to ask. Yes. So what did they hear? Our chairs are miserable. <laughs> they heard that over and over. What did yes. they do? Replaced all the chairs. Good for them. You know, I mean, just something that simple. Yeah. So let's talk about Tiny Pulse a moment. Tiny Pulse is not the solution for everyone, but the philosophy of Tiny Pulse is what? And I'm talking with David later today, and I know you're a friend of theirs. You've spoken yeah. at TinyCon. Why is Pulse important or something like Tiny Pulse? Well, I mean, I look at Tiny Pulse as a tool to facilitate some of my laws, right? So when I'm talking about listening and acting, Tiny Pulse facilitates that. When I'm talking about recognize your employees, Tiny Pulse facilitates that. With their performance management stuff, Tiny Pulse facilitates the idea of back and forth with managers and employees, right? So the idea that any, it's like you said earlier, it's not going to be an end-all Though that tool, amongst others, is a tool that can help you if for some reason you're having a hard time wrapping your head around it. They already have this in place. They have cheers for peers, right? They have it all. So why don't you just go use that? And they even have guidebooks and they have consultants like me that work with them, right? So they have all this different stuff. So you don't have an excuse. You just have to care first, a desire second, and a budget, right, to be able to get in place. And then we're all set. 
Okay. So Heather, I know our time is getting away from us. Before it does, I want to circle back. I did remember to what we said. For someone that's listening right now that is in experiencing adversity, that they're facing an obstacle, that they're overwhelmed by the obstacle, what would you say to them to help them reframe that, get a fresh focus on that, and find energy to press through it? I'd say first go around it. This morning I was taking my kids to school and the traffic was awful and there was a street that was blocked off. And I said, "Uh uh-oh. And immediately I went, there's another street right here. And I went the other way. And I said to them, listen, this is the kind of stuff that happens all the time, whether they're small obstacles or large, like health issues. That is okay. They are there. Those things are going to always be there. It's up to you to figure out how quickly you can connect the dots to redirect around the obstacles to go through it, above it, underneath it, There's just really nothing that's insurmountable. And the other thing is if you are somebody of faith, and I am, I do believe that that's also a part of it. So you have to make sure that you have, you know, that good foundation there as well. So don't stop and don't give up. Exactly. Don't stop. It sounds simple. I know because people are like, well, I have this and I have that and this, this, and that. I get it. I have even more than what I disclose in the show. But in the end, you know, you just got to get through it. You might take a minute to complain. That's okay. You're human. Right. And I do. I take a minute and then the minute goes by and I'm done. All right. Is there something you would like to say that puts the bow on this conversation and makes a pretty package of it for you and allows us to have a point of closure? I would say, like I always say, my main message is that employee experience is powered by emotions Mm -hmm. and leaders get to choose which emotions they unleash from the people they lead. Yeah. Elaborate on that. Leaders get to choose what emotions they unleash. Well, in the end, we choose our actions or our inactions. We choose how we talk to our people or how we ignore them. Mm. And so when we look at humans first, wrapping that back up, if we choose to walk by our team members and not say good morning, if Mm. we choose to go to lunch with a select few and exclude others, right? These are all emotions that we create inside of people. And we decide to be more inclusive, we create more positive emotions. It is an intentional act and we get to choose it. Okay. So, Heather, I know there are people that are sitting here going, well, how do I get more of Heather? Where do we point them? I would say, you know, to get a big dose of me would be through my Leadership with Heart podcast. I'm going to be honest, because you're really going to get a feel for who I am. So, Leadership with Heart, and it's on all the platforms you can listen to podcasts. So, you can go on iTunes and Stitcher and Spotify. I'm on LinkedIn, of course, but I would say the podcast would be your direct connect. We will include a link in the show notes. Yes. Your podcast. That'd be awesome. So that'd be great. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for contributing to this conversation. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's been amazing. Sure has. I appreciate it. Heather, what a joy to have had you join us today and share your perspective of how loyalty is a bond between leaders and those they lead. I love this perspective that it's up to you as the leader to create the environment, an environment that invites and encourages loyalty so the people you lead feel bonded to the organization rather than feeling in bondage to an obligation and they just show up and go through the motions. So here's a question that I love that came out of the conversation. Do you see every person on your team as a pod of potential? that they have gifts, talents, and abilities, strengths to offer you and your organization. And effective leaders 
pull these out of the people they lead. Ineffective leaders shut it down, shut these down, and cause people to lock away the very gifts, talents, and abilities that could cause them to flourish and your organization to prosper. Hey, when they're shut down, that's not good for either the employee or the employer. And I love that Heather, in her book title and in our conversation, dubbed these the intuitive laws of employee loyalty, because none of this is rocket science. It's all common sense. Yet you know, just like I know, that common sense doesn't always result in common practice. The magic comes from the diligence of doing ordinary things with extraordinary flair and focus. Hey, I hope you've enjoyed this. This was, maybe you know this, maybe you don't, this was the 10th in a series of conversations exploring this human's first perspective and approach to work. If you've missed any of these conversations, or if you just want to go back and pick up one or share with a friend, we've curated them on a single page where you can listen to them and make it easy to share. You can find that at Kevin D. Monroe dot com forward slash humans with an S humans first. That's Kevin D Monroe.com forward slash humans first. Hey, until we connect again, I want to encourage you to live, love, and lead with purpose. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Higher Purpose Podcast. Are you wanting to grow as a humans first leader and connect in meaningful conversation with other humans first leaders? Join the Humans First Book Club, where they dive deep into a book a month and engage the authors in conversation. Go to humansfirstbookclub.com.